we all learned in civics class about the three branches of government. In fact, it was probably one of the first things you learned in that class. There's the legislative branch, which makes laws, the executive branch, or the president, and the judicial branch, made up of the courts. Today, I'll dive deeper into the legislative branch, Article 1 of the Constitution, focusing specifically on Section 7. This section is made up of three clauses. The first is the Origination Clause. All bills raising revenue must originate from the House of Representatives. That seems somewhat random if you ask me, but it was adopted from the English parliamentary practice which required all monetary bills to first be read in the House of Commons. Our framers adopted this method to give the power of the purse to the legislative body most representative of the people, therefore the House of Representatives. Any other bill may originate in either the Senate or the House. This clause was part of the Great Compromise, or the Connecticut Compromise of 1787. The larger states were dissatisfied with the disproportionate power in the Senate of the smaller states. This limits the power to introduce specifically tax and tariff bills to the House, where larger states held greater representation and therefore power. However, since the Senate can still amend these revenue-raising bills, the clause has lost much significance. The Presentment Clause follows. Understandably, it states that a bill can only become a law if it is passed in both houses of Congress and presented to the President. The President only has 10 days to sign it into law or turn it back to Congress. If the President rejects the presented bill, it must return to the House which it originated from, the process commonly known as a veto. Democratically, however, Congress has the power to override the President's veto if both houses pass the bill with a minimum two-thirds vote. However, it gets more complex when the President does not act within those 10 days. If Congress is in session, the bill automatically becomes a law. This is known as default enactment. If Congress is not in session, the President cannot return the bill he or she intends to veto. Therefore, taking no action by the President can automatically veto. That was first used by James Madison during an intercession recess in 1812 and was given the name pocket veto. A pocket veto cannot be overridden by Congress. This pocket veto has become the source of many political issues. In 1929, the Supreme Court gave further insight in the pocket veto case. It held that, quote, the determinant question is if Congress adjourned in a manner that prevents the president from returning the bill to the house in which it originated within the time allowed, end quote. In the pocket veto case, because both houses adjourned despite legislative session not being over, the pocket veto was permissible. Later, in 1938, in the case Wright versus the United States, the court ruled that a three-day adjournment of either the House or Senate does not allow for a pocket veto. The last clause of Section 7 is the Presentment of Resolutions Clause and relates to resolutions and issues other than bills. It was added by James Madison, who foresaw that Congress would circumvent the presentment process by calling a bill, a resolution, or an order. In avoiding that, this clause states that any issue that requires both houses, regardless of the name of the issue, must be presented to the president. An example would be a congressional declaration of war, which would be in the form of a joint resolution. While it would not be called a bill, it must be presented to the president for approval, 
Of course, there are exceptions. It exempts questions of adjournment, and under Article 5, congressionally proposed amendments to the Constitution are not sent to the President, but rather state legislatures. Legislative subpoenas are also exempt. In 1983, the Supreme Court strengthened the Presentment of Resolutions Clause in the case Immigration and Naturalization Service v. Chadha, and ruled that it was unconstitutional for Congress to use a resolution with the intent of overturning an executive action. The court concluded that this legislative veto circumvents the present process and violated the president's power to execute laws. Here, the court gave more power to the president, further weakening Article 1 of the Constitution.